Welcome to the G3 Podcast, a weekly podcast focused on the Christian life where we examine doctrinal and cultural issues that impact God's church. My name is Josh Bice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Voilo. Well, Jeremy, how are things over in Los Angeles? Going well. How is everything in ATL? Uh, it's uh, it's everything's going well here. How's snow your family? Yet? Do you have any snow <laughs> over there? <laughs> no, it typically doesn't snow until about G three, and then you know we start to get some some crazy weather. We have a total of, I think, one uh, truck that can actually work snow and ice in Atlanta, so it doesn't it doesn't work out well for us. Good. Well, out here on the West Coast, even though I was, I'm from the East Coast, I have this perception that snow is falling in on the East Coast because it's still in the 80s and 90s here. Yeah. Well, as we think about uh, G3 coming up, uh, it's just right around the corner, looking forward to gathering and worshiping together and encouraging one another on the subject of worship. So uh, talking about worship, as we think about worship, how is how is church life for you over in Los Angeles these days? Man, it's been very special. Uh, the last few weeks, um, just recently, Clayton Herb, who's the minister of music here at Grace Community Church, celebrated 40 years of ministry at the church. And wow. so we've just had full orchestras during the Sunday service. We've had guest singing coming in from Jubilant Sykes and Phil Webb. And um, I've, I've, I've just been in awe of uh, the the services recently as they've celebrated. I mean, it's like that every week, but it's just been a special time. And Pastor John has been preaching. He just preached uh, through music from a biblical perspective. That was really special. And uh, yeah, just enjoying enjoying life out here and life in, in the church here, getting involved in different studies and the lives of the brothers and sisters here. Uh, it's just been a it's been a, a a remarkable blessing. We're really enjoying getting settled here at Grace Community Church. That's really good. As we think about uh, this very podcast discussion today, I'm really excited to talk with a friend of ours, Anthony Mathenia, who is actually a pastor in Virginia, but he's no stranger to the G3 conference. And as we uh, look forward to January, again, not only you know will Jeremy be there and I will be there, but also Anthony will be there and he'll be speaking. And so we're looking forward to his involvement there at the conference as we gather each year. But uh, as we bring Anthony into the conversation today, we want to talk to him about some of his ministry. We want to talk to him about some of his uh just just his life in general and how he's handled some struggles and trials along the way. So we're delighted to have Anthony Mathenia with us today. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to talk with you both. Absolutely. As we talk about uh, life and as we talk about ministry on this very podcast, just tell our audience a little bit about who you are and your calling to ministry uh, a bit about your education and you know how you've actually arrived as a pastor there in Virginia presently. Sure. Yeah. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, attending church three times a week. Every time the doors were open, we were very actively involved in the local Baptist church. Uh, I, though, was not converted uh, to Christ until after I finished college. Uh, within six months of finishing college, I was converted and almost immediately felt a desire for the ministry. I didn't know exactly what that would look like. 
Uh, but even the desire for ministry at that point was for international missions, though I had never been out of the U.S. Uh, there was a desire to do that. Uh, I followed through on enrolling in seminary through some extension classes through Southern Seminary that were offered in Jackson, Tennessee, where I lived, and ended up going to Ethiopia um, 19 years ago, spent the summer there one year after I had been converted and had a strong desire uh, to continue working in Ethiopia, uh, stayed in seminary, transferred to a seminary in Memphis, was there for about a year and a half uh, before moving out of town. So I didn't finish seminary when I moved from there. Eventually did end up back in Ethiopia full-time in the year 2005 and spent the better part of the next two years there. And then in early 2008, um, my wife was killed in a car wreck. So I transitioned back to the U.S. Uh, with two small children, was living in the U.S. Uh, and part of a church in New Albany, Mississippi. Uh, during that time, that's the church that had sent me to Ethiopia. And over the next couple years, um, married again to my wife, Hannah, and we moved to Virginia, where Heart Cry Missionary Society had just relocated, primarily to put the work that I had begun in Ethiopia while living there underneath uh, the direction of Heart Cry. So I came here and thought I would be here for six months or a year, kind of give them the ministry that I had begun uh, in Ethiopia, and then move on to whatever it was that God had for me um, there were several different options, half a dozen options or so on the table around the world, some in the U.S. and some in other countries. But I'm still here in Virginia. Uh, came here to spend a very short time, I thought, but God had other plans and I've been pastoring here. I moved here nine years ago uh, this month and I've been pastoring for about eight and a half of those years and serving alongside um, heart cry being on the board of heart cry and able to travel and teach. So I love what I'm doing. I would have never drawn it up for myself, but I'm really happy with the way that uh, God has directed my steps. And Anthony, I'll, I'll just I'll let the listeners know what an encouragement your life has been to me personally. I know to so many others, um, not only your faithful shepherding of of God's people and your exposition of the word, but to watch how you've walked through trials, how you've trusted the Lord through difficulty. Uh, and how you've how you've sought to serve Christ, um, regardless of the circumstances around you. It's just been it's very encouraging to me uh, as a young man in ministry. Um, and I, we don't have all the time to go into everything now. But I, I remember when you came down to Laredo to preach, and just to see your heart for the people. And and that was the weekend that that Hector was saved out of out of the gang there in Laredo. And um, on the weekend you were preaching, I know you had a hand in, in speaking with him and ministering to him. Um, it's, it's just been so encouraging to see. And, and one of the, one of the projects that you've partake or taken up recently um, is better than life. The ministry to the unborn um, that you've, you've taken up there uh, in Virginia. Speak to us a little bit about that project. What's going on there and really why the church should stand against abortion in our day and how the church practically can stand against abortion in our day. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, I enjoyed ministering down there um, alongside you in Laredo. It was exciting to see what the Lord 
uh, did during my short visit down there. And it's been encouraging to see how he's continued to uphold uh, the believers there over the past year and a half or two years. Um, Yeah, just over a year ago, uh, we as a church, several of us in the church who have a strong desire uh, to fight for the preborn, who have hearts for adoption. Um, three of my children were adopted. We wanted to do something more. I started looking into ways that we could be involved here locally. Our church is very involved in the local pregnancy resource center and have been since the very beginning. But we wanted to be more hands-on um, with regard to reaching out specifically at the abortion clinics. Uh, the closest two abortion clinics to us are about 40 minutes away from where the church is in the next largest town. And once we started reaching out there and attempting to minister, a the property immediately next door to Planned Parenthood uh, had been on the market for quite some time, and it was brought to our attention that it was on the market. It had been on and off, and it was on the market again. And we began to pray and attempting to trust the Lord and moving forward in that and eventually established a ministry called uh, Better Than Life based on Psalm 63.3, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So the idea is that though we're fighting for the life of the preborn, we are pro-life, but there's something even better than that. And it's the gospel. So it is primarily a gospel ministry as we are reaching out to Uh, the young people that are coming to Planned Parenthood with plans to terminate their pregnancies and kill their children. We are reaching out to them with gospel hope, preaching the gospel to them and offering other options for them. There are lots of other options rather than abortion. They believe that through, you know, because of convenience or the circumstances in their life, that it's the only thing on the table for them. And we want to come alongside and help them either parent their children or consider adoption, whatever would be best for them and for the life of their children. So we ended up purchasing the property immediately next door and are attempting to establish a a pro-life women's clinic there so that we can offer um, all of the medical necessities uh, that would be offered within Planned Parenthood, except uh, not offering abortions and We're still raising money for that and putting people in place and looking for staff, but the Lord's been faithful. Even in the past two weeks, we've seen two babies saved as a result of the sidewalk counseling ministry there. So he continues to be faithful. Um, Even since we've been on here, I'm getting text messages from people who are out at the clinic and uh, ministering the gospel this afternoon. Amen, Anthony. That's really encouraging, brother, to hear And so I would just encourage folks to learn more about how they could perhaps do what you guys are doing in your community, in their own community as well. Because oftentimes we hear people ask questions like, well, you know, standing on a sidewalk with a sign or calling out to moms, does that really have an effect? And I think, you know, just even hearing this testimony is just proof positive. We have folks in our own church as well that are very much active at abortion mills and, you know, seeking to care for the unborn. And so I want to commend what you're doing to the the listeners here. Where could they find out more information about the ministry that was birthed there in, in Radford? There's not a lot of places to go to find out about it. However, there is a website, betterthanlife.cc. So betterthanlife.cc is kind of a landing page and people can sign up for um, emails 
to get updates. Uh, there is uh, a Twitter account and a Facebook page. The Facebook page will have a few more photos and different things as well. But betterthanlife.cc will get you um, all the information that is available. Very good. Well, we're going to be right back with Anthony Mathenia. After a short break, we're going to talk to him about how to walk through tragic times in your life and depend upon God through His Word. We'll be right back. So we worship the God who is holy. We worship the God who is righteous. We worship the God who pours out His wrath. And at the same time, we bow ourselves in humble adoration because we deserve that wrath too. But He saves us in spite of that. The Church of Jesus is redeemed and called to worship God. Therefore, worship matters. This January, we will gather for a very important conference on worship in which we will address important questions like, is God concerned with how we worship Him? As we consider the different ways in which we worship God, from the public reading of Scripture, prayer, the preaching of God's Word, the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Is anything optional? Are we free to rearrange, reinvent, or repackage worship to accommodate cultural trends or the preferences of people? We must not overlook the privilege of worship. Not only does God receive our worship, but as a result, we are changed and transformed as we engage in the worship of our triune God. Look at this. You will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Do you see this? Well, I don't want any of that doctrine stuff. Well, then you, you have to go to hell. What we believe will determine our eternal destiny, the doctrine, the teaching that we hold to. Why do we study doctrine? Our life depends upon it. Join us this January as we will enjoy fellowship, spiritual growth, and the worship of God at the 2020 G3 Conference. For information and reservations, visit g3conference.com. Anthony, a number of years ago, uh, one of the most difficult circumstances that I went through as a young man was when I left work, uh, we, we would go out and do evangelism together, my, my best friend and I, and we were both young preacher boys in the church here called from this local church where I actually serve as pastor now, and we were working secular job together. And we would sit often at, at lunch and we would pray together. We would talk about ministering together in the future and just goals that we would have. And, and yet uh, that evening, he had, to, he had a change of plans. He needed to go and share the gospel with his brother at Zaxby's. And so uh, he said, you're going to just need to go and find someone else to go out and do evangelism with you, you know, this evening. So I found another gentleman. We went out and about midnight... I received a, a heartbreaking phone call from my pastor uh, just informing me that uh, that my friend William didn't make it home, that he went through an intersection and and was T-boned in, a, in an automobile accident that took his life. And that was just a, a horrible tragedy for me. His wife 
was very young at the time. They were pregnant with their first child. Uh, she was 10 weeks pregnant. And so to think about that whole scenario and, and just the pain that I felt, it, it was really one of the first moments of just just utter tragedy in my life and, and, and needing to really depend upon God through His Word to make it through those broken moments. And so I know you, of course, were friends, and we've talked through the years about uh, you've walked through some very difficult times in your life as well. So talk to us. You, you mentioned it a moment ago about your wife was taken in an automobile accident. So take us back to that painful scenario, and what was it that actually brought you through it, and how important was the Word of God through all of this? Yeah, and I was over in Ethiopia when the wreck happened, the family was back stateside briefly because we were finalizing the adoption uh, of my second child. And that required us to be in the States for some time. And so I was traveling back to Ethiopia to keep the ministry going, had been on a teaching trip. And the wreck happened before I arrived back home, about 24 hours before I was back in the country. And so I was a day late finding out all of the news anyway. And so much of it feels like a dream to think back on it now, um, a dozen or so years ago. Uh, But at the same time, I know full well that being carried by, you know, the compassionate arms and hands of Christ during those days was my only hope. I have vivid memories of God drawing near with the promises of his word. Uh, I was forced to come to grips uh, with a lot of the things that I had taught and said I believed, and really trusting in him, a God who never changes, though circumstances do, uh, was helpful. It brought a new reality to the necessity of recognizing the fact that we live in a fallen world. And there are all kinds of negative consequences that happen here in this life, death being the worst of them uh, as a result of sin. But it's also helpful to realize that death and sickness and difficulty are not really the great enemy, but sin actually is. Uh, I remember thinking in the very early days, in the days and weeks following uh, the, the wreck and her death, Like, how could this be? How could a good God allow something like this? You're trying to sort through those difficult things. Uh, One of the promises of God that rang true for me was the promise of the new covenant in Jeremiah 32. They shall be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will not turn away from them to do them good. I was quite confident that I belonged to God. And if God had made this promise to all of his children, then it was true for me. He was actually doing what was best for me. It didn't matter what it seemed like, and not just for me. You can imagine being a single dad with two small children. How could this be what's best for my children? Well, the Word of God says it is. So I took him at his word, and I believed him and trusted him. And 
it's easy for us to think. I mean, you asked me about dealing with tragedy. I actually don't believe tragedy exists. I think there are seeming tragedies. And this is what I mean by that. If I asked you what is the greatest tragedy that's ever happened in the history of the world, I think we would both agree that the Son of God was killed. He was murdered by sinful men. However, Acts chapter 2 tells us that this man, Jesus, was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. That, right. Yes, those sinners nailed him to a cross. Those godless men put him to death. But he was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, this good God who has promised to do us good, this God who we might know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there's no one besides him. He is the Lord. There is no other. Isaiah 42, no, 45, 7, the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. So having somehow in my heart and mind the capacity to believe God and take him at his word, he, he was very gracious to allow me to believe his word and to hope in it. And it was, it was day to day. He was just ministering much mercy, immense amounts of grace he was laying in my lap in order that I might continue putting one foot in front of the other. And living for him and not walking away and attempting to make sense of it all, you know, that a good God in the midst of a fallen world, that it did make sense. And he didn't change the constancy of who God is and his immutability was the rock solid reality for me day in and day out. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, as you mentioned that, there is no tragedy with God. And tragedy happens for us, but it's certainly not a surprise to God. He's in control of everything. His sovereignty transcends human experience. And so as I think about difficulties in my own life and circumstances that I face, and I hear you talk about it as well, and certainly I've talked to others uh, you know, throughout uh, my lifetime in ministry, but one of the things that I continue to hear uh, just repeated uh, from situation to situation is that it was the doctrine of God. It was the doctrine of his sovereignty that brought about the comfort uh, during the, the midst of the, the brokenness of, of those situations. And so, you know, as, as I hear you articulate all of this and how God was ministering his mercy to you, Again, we, we often hear and we talk about it in conferences, we talk about it at G3, that doctrine matters. But it matters in the sense of the reality of who God is in the midst of both the good days and also the very painful days as well. Right. It, it is the only sufficient foundation for our lives, whether good or bad, is what we think about who God is and how we respond to him, how we take his word, whether or not we believe it. Like Martin Lloyd-Jones said, not asking the question, how does it make me feel, but ask the question, is it true? And yes, it's true. So how then should I live in light of it? Anthony, as you think of how this has shaped you pastorally, um, bringing your own experience into the realm of, of shepherding others who 
let's face it, this world is full of pain. This world is full of brokenness. Uh, this world is polluted by sin. How has your own experience shaped you as a pastor in in leading others to the wellspring of life where they can find comfort in pain? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's would probably be easier for those who've watched me uh, to answer it more appropriately, but I think I could accurately and honestly say that it it has caused me to be more compassionate and have more pity and I hope to some degree a better understanding of other people's lives that have been wrecked by sin, either their sin or the effects of other people's sin, while at the same time, not just having that pity and compassion, but having a wholehearted hope in the promises of God and the sufficiency of the remedy of the gospel for them as they seek to move forward. Amen. That's so helpful. Anthony, I I think that as we think about worship coming up in January, as we talk about the church and worship, as you you think about uh, the importance and the priority of the church gathered for worship, as we have oftentimes a younger population that would be listening to this podcast and actually attending the G3 conference, what encouragement would you give to someone uh, as far as uh, the priority of the local church as it pertains to the worship of God? Yeah, there is no greater priority for the individual or for the young family or for any man, woman, boy, or girl than that of the worship of God. He has laid it out in his word so wonderfully clear for us that our entire lives should be worship. But he's also made it abundantly clear that on the first day of the work we sh- of the week we should gather together with other believers and worship him in a way that he's prescribed in the scriptures for us to worship him. That we should regulate our lives and our gathered services around his written word. It's so kind that he has been so so abundantly full and clear with what he expects from us. Uh, it exposes us in our pride and proneness to do things our own way when we fail to take advantage of what he's written for us in his word. But there isn't a more important aspect to who we are than that of us worshiping God individually on a daily basis and then collectively together in an assembled body week in and week out on the first day of the week. Amen. Well, Anthony, thank you for joining us for the G3 podcast. It's been a wonderful conversation. And if you would like to join us this January for a wonderful weekend on the subject of worship, this theme that we're going to break down this January, we encourage you to find out more information at g3conference.com. You can reserve your seats, find out more information about hotels. All of that is found there on the website. We look forward to seeing you this January. May God bless and may you continue to seek God through his word.